السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله صلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه ومن اتبعه داهل يوم الدين أما بعد those who have the handouts is page number six the last paragraph we stopped last time at that point oh yes 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 sorry okay anyway maybe the we should start searching then. Okay, can I locate it here? It's page number three, the second paragraph. It says, Then when the people had returned to Islam, and their desire for it became good and proper. Allah increased for them in their faith that they changed the prayer direction to the Kaaba after they had been praying to Bayt al-Maqdis. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He revealed the injunctions and the, most of the ordinances or the obligations in Medina when in Mecca there were only emphasis upon the establishment of the Tawheed and the hearts founding the Tawheed in their hearts when they migrated to Medina there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started revealing the instructions and the commandments gradually there in Medina, now the foundation has been laid in Mecca. Now they are ready to implement whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands them to do. And they were praying in Medina towards Jerusalem, Bayt al-Maqdis. So they were commanded to face by the Maqdis through the Sunnah and then they were told to change the direction by the Quran so the Muslims faced facing Jerusalem for a while then they were commanded to face Bayt al-Haram Mecca and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is one of the miraculous aspects of the Qur'an, that this Qur'an is from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمْ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهِ What does it mean? Allah says, O Muhammad, to the Muslims, that now I want you to face Mecca and the fools the fools are going to come and say and object why you change the direction of your prayers the fools are going to come and this was revealed this ayah and the Muslims are reading it the fools will say this the fools will say this and the fools heard it and the fools came had this Quran not being revealed uh, from Allah, the fools they would have said, 
or they would at least among themselves decide not to say anything. Let us prove Muhammad wrong, right? This is a chance. We'll prove him wrong, we'll not say anything. And then we'll ask him, who are the fools that your book is talking about? But that didn't happen. They came and they say, why did you change the direction of your prayer? So you are the fools that our Lord told us about. This is one of the miracles of the Quran. It's very clear. Because the Quran said, Sayaqul. This scene in the Arabic language means will or shall in the future. That they are going to come and say this. So the Quran told the Prophet what they are going to say. And they came and they said that. Is this clear to you? Just like the same thing when the, the Quran said that Abu Lahab will never believe. Had this Quran not been from Allah, Abu Lahab could have come and said, O oh Muhammad, I believe in you. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. I believe that there is no God being worthy of worship but Allah and you are the messenger of That will put the end to the message of the Prophet right? But he didn't do that. Because the one who revealed the book knew that he would never think about this. And that he would die upon the disbelief. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was praying, when he was praying facing Jerusalem, he was always looking up, turning his face to the sky, craving to face Makkah, want to face Makkah, to pray towards the Kaaba. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرًا So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Verily we have seen the turning of your face towards the heaven. Why towards the heaven? Because Allah is in heaven. Okay. Towards the heaven, surely we shall give you a qibla that you are pleased with. So turn your face in the direction of the holy mosque, Makkah. And wheresoever you, you, you people are, turn your faces and prayer in that direction. And now Muslims all from all over the globe, they face Makkah. They turn their faces to, towards the Kaaba. So, they were praying towards Jerusalem, then they were told to face the Kaaba and they started praying. Now, the question. Many of the Muslims died while praying towards Jerusalem. So, the companion asked the Prophet how about the prayers of our brothers? So Allah assured them that their prayers will not be wasted. Then, 
Hui Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, regarding the Qibla, a Muslim should pray towards the Qibla, the Kaaba. When it is possible. If it is impossible, like when you are in the airplane, it's impossible on board, or in a ship, maybe it's not possible, because the ship will be moving and changing direction. If it is possible in the beginning to face the Kaaba, that would be better. Sometimes it's not even possible to do that. So then you play in any direction. For instance, you are on board of airplane, you just play in your seat. The same thing in the ship. But when you are in land, you should try to locate and figure out where is the direction of the Kaaba. You try your best. You try your best, and now alhamdulillah there are many instruments and tools help you to, to know the direction. But let's say that after you tried your best, you prayed, but then you found out that you didn't pray towards the Kaaba. Your prayer is correct, and no need to repeat it. If you tried your best. Let's say that I came and I found a person who is praying not towards the Kaaba, the Qibla. Let's say he is in the wrong direction. I can't talk to him and say, turn 90 degrees, or turn to the right, or turn to the left, or I can go and turn him physically. Okay? Because the Sahabi who prayed the Asr with the Prophet facing Mecca, and then he passed by the Muslims praying in Quba, and they were facing Jerusalem. He talked to them and he said, By Allah, I prayed with the Prophet ﷺ facing Makkah. So the Imam turned and all the congregation followed him in the Salah. Okay? And this also, this hadith is an evidence, refutes the opinion of those who, says, who say the hadith of one person cannot be accepted, what they call it Ahad. Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, two times, Mutawatir and Ahad. The Mutawatir, when a group of the companions report from the Prophet ﷺ, then a group of the Tabi'een also report from the companions. And a group of the, so in every level, a group, a group, a group. And of course this group maybe varies from 1 to 10. So for instance 10 of the Sahaba, 10 of the Tabi'een. Because you see the Isnad begins like this. Are you following? The Isnad begins with the Prophet Then next to the Prophet is the Sahabi. Then the Tabi'een, etc. So group of the companions, group of the Tabi'een. So if the Hadith has reached us through many companions reported it, many Tabi'een reported it, this is we call it Mutawatir. And if it is not mutawatir, then it is ahad. And ahad has many types. Okay? It has many types. If we have the aziz, and we have the gharib, and we have the mashur, all these types of ahad. The gharib is when one narrator only reported, reports the hadith. For instance, the hadith 
Are you following Babas? Okay? The hadith that says, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتُ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا This hadith which deeds will be judged according to intentions. This hadith is gharib. Is what? Gharib. Gharib means only one companion narrated this or reported this hadith. This hadith, none of the Sahaba reported it except Umar ibn al-Khattab. Except Umar ibn al-Khattab. And this hadith is sahih, though it is gharib. So, the hadith, whether it is mutawatir or it is ahad, when it is authentic, we accept it and we uh, believe in whatever that hadith commands us and conveys to us. For instance, the Prophet ﷺ, when he sent people for da'wah, he sent only once. He sent uh, Mus'ab ibn Umayr to Medina to call the people of Medina to Islam. And the people of Medina, they didn't say, well, we'll not accept Islam because you are one. No. After one year, he came to Mecca, Mus'ab ibn Umair, and he gave annual report to the Prophet And he said, there is no single household in Medina without a Muslim member. No house without a Muslim member in that house. That's what, that's the first ambassador for Islam was Mus'ab ibn Umair. The Prophet sent Mu'ad ibn Yabal, ibn Yabal to Yemen. And he was one. Okay? Calling them to Islam. So this bid'ah, which is invented, that if the hadith is not mutawatir, it is a had, we don't accept it, this bid'ah or innovation has been invented by the Mu'tazila. Okay? And spaceless. If we reject the ahadith that are ahad, then 90 or more than 90% of Islam should be discarded. Because the ahadith which are mutawatis are very, very few. And the majority of the ahadith, they are what? Ahad. And this bid'ah now you'll see Hizb al-Tahrir. Okay? Hizb al-Tahrir, they are the ones also who hold this belief. They said this hadith is ahad, we don't accept. Because actually they are a modified version of the Mu'tazila. In certain areas in the Aqidah. <clears throat> then he Allah, the, the, uh, addressed them when they were in Medina by the appellation of faith, by the title of faith, Ya Ayyuhalladina Aman. Allah addressed them by the title, O you who possess, O you who believe. That had previously been given them whenever he ordered them with something or forbade them from something. So he said while commanding, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu urka'u wasfifu. So he is addressing them by the title of Imam. And this is very, very important. The title of Imam. Whenever you hear that Allah is saying, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, he is addressing the mu'mineen. And these commandments are given to the mu'mineen, to the believers. Because now you are ready to accept whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you to do. You will not find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing the disbelievers by this title. 
He would address them, O mankind, O son of man, etc. <coughs> this title will be only given to the believers, those who believed in Allah. Which is very logical. Once you believe, then you, you are ready to pray, you are ready to fast, you are ready to, to carry out. You are ladina Or you believe, fasting has been prescribed for you. So Allah addressed the believers by the title of the Iman. Because you have believed in me, now I am telling you to do this. That's why Ibn Mas'ud said, whenever you hear this, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, give it your ear. Lend it your ear. Listen attentively. Because either Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell you to do something, or He's going to warn you against something. Or He's going to tell you about the Jannah whatever. So always when you hear this title, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, listen attentively. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, rka'u wasjudu. O you who believe, bow and prostrate. So now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the people in Medina by this title. Then Allah azza wa jal also said, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu idha qumtum ila salati farsulu wujuhakum wa aydiyakum ila al-marafiq. O you who believe, when you intend to offer the salah, say, wash your faces and your arms up to the elders. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the believers. This is what you should do when you want to get up for the salah. You wash your faces. And the face, you know the face starts from here to here. Okay? From the top of the forehead till the bottom of the chin. And from the earlobe to the earlobe. So this is the face. You wash your face. فَاقْسُلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ And your hands to the elbows. وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ And here, though, it is not part of the Kitab al-Iman. There is a fiqh issue. There is a fiqh issue between the scholars. Because إِلَى Sometimes the end will be included, sometimes the end will not be, it will be excluded. So you find some of the jurists or some of the scholars, they say up to the elbows. That means the elbows are not included. And some they say the elbows are included. Those who said the elbows are not included. They said, because this ila, sometimes it depends on the context. So they said here it's not included, just it is like where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, ثُمَّ أَتِمُّ الصِّيَامَ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ ثُمَّ أَتِمُّ الصِّيَامَ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ Then complete the fast till the night. Is the night included? not included. So up to the night, when the sun sets, finish, break your fast. So the night is not included. Ila layl, night is not included. So they said, this is like that. So the elbows are not included. The other said, no, the elbows are included. This is just ila here, like where Allah said, 
سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى. All praise is due to Allah who took his slave on the night journey from the sacred mosque in Mecca to the sacred mosque in Jerusalem. To there, the masjid included or excluded? Included, he prayed inside the masjid. So now, there are two opinions. So, how to judge? Is this ilah means the elders included or excluded? So, in order to know this, we have to refer to the sunnah. And see the practice of the Prophet And when we refer to the sunnah, we found that the Prophet was washing the elbows. And he was turning the water over the elbows. So, he was washing them. So, the meaning of ila al-maravid, just like ila al-masjid al-haram, ila al-masjid al-aqsa, which means the elbows are included, okay? فاغسلوا وجوهكم وأيديكم إلى المرافق وامسحوا برؤوسكم وأرجلكم إلى الكعبين. There the Shia came. They say, well, the Quran says, وامسحوا برؤوسكم وأرجلكم. So أرجلكم here. Okay, you see فتحة there. Okay, that means they say the feet should be white. Just like وامسحوا رؤوسكم. وامسحوا برؤوسكم. وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ In this reading, in this mode of reading, uh, or type of reading, وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ But there is another way, وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ One of the modes of recitation, one of the qira'at. You know, there are ten, ten ways of qira'at. That the Prophet ﷺ read the Qur'an, and Jibreel read the Qur'an in different ways. And the reason to make it easy for the Arabs, because there were many dialects. So by reading the Quran in different ways, it was it, uh, made it easy for the Arabs to read the Quran, because the Quran was revealed in the dialect of Quraysh. So the Shia said, Allah said, "Arjulikum." That means we just wipe over the 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 feet. So Ahl Sunnah said, "No, though this mode or type of." reading or reciting the Qur'an is, is, is accepted to us, but the meaning here it is referring to wiping off the socks. That is an evidence for the wiping off of the socks. Because the Prophet وسلم, he never, the Prophet وسلم, he never uh, wiped off the, the bare, foot, bare feet, never, uh, but he wiped over the socks. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said while prohibiting the believers. So the uh, author here, brothers, is telling us, see how Allah started addressing the, the people by the title of Iman. Ya amanu la riba This is revealed in Medina. Addressing the people in Medina. He said while prohibiting them. All you who believe, do not devour the riba. We better stick to the word riba. Doubled and multiplied. Why we say we need to stick to the word riba? Because 
Because there are people who say riba is different from interest or different from the usury. Okay? Says, for instance, some they say usury is haram, but interest, which is, you know, low rates, no problem. No. Riba, it covers both the interest and the, the usury. So that's haram. <coughs> Whether it is point one or one or five percent, it's half. Okay? That's riba. And you are waging war, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fighting you. And you are in war with Allah. So, Muslims should not deal with riba. Mortgage, whatever. Okay? Riba is a crime, it's a sin. Okay? Sin. The Prophet said, one dirham from riba is worse than committing zina 37 times. One dirham only. Because one dirham, one pound of riba is worse than committing fornication or adultery 37 times. Okay? People here, they are living on riba. Cars on riba, houses riba, everything riba. And they think that is okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the believers. Oh, you who believe, do not eat riba. Double and multiply it. Somebody said, if it is doubled and multiplied, hmm, then it is haram. If it is less than that, this is wrong understanding. The Quran, when he mentioned this, he mentioned the situation was existing. Doesn't mean that the Quran is saying, if it is not double, it is halal. No. For instance, the Quran said, In the Quran, the Quran says, when a free man kills the free man, then kill him. Or when a slave kills the slave, kill the slave. So some they misunderstood and they said, if the free man kills the slave, we don't kill the free man. Because Allah said, Al-Hur bil-Hur, Al-Abdu bil-Abd. A slave for a slave, a free man for a free man. No! The Quran, when in this ayah, is addressing an issue and a situation that was practiced at that time among the Arabs. The Arabs, for instance, if a free person who is not a slave from this tribe kills a slave from another tribe. What they will do? They will say, okay, we will not accept a slave from your tribe. <coughs> okay? Our slave, in our eyes, is more important than ten of you. So they will go and kill maybe one, two, three from the other tribe. Or if a free man killed another free man, the other tribe will say, okay, we'll kill a slave instead of that man. They will negotiate and say, okay, we'll give you a slave, kill him instead of that man. So the Quran said, no, no, no. If a slave kills a slave, then that person should be killed. If a free man killed a free man, that man should be, should be killed. 
and the Prophet ﷺ, uh, he killed a man for a woman. A Jew came to a Muslim woman and he smashed her head between two rocks. They, they found her in last breath, dying. She couldn't talk, so they were only mentioning names to her. Who did this? So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. When they mentioned the name of the Jew, she nodded and died. So they brought the Jew and he admitted. He said yes, he confessed. So the Prophet told the Sahaba, go and kill him in the same way. Smash his head. Okay? So some they think if a man killed a woman, no, we don't kill the man. No. Because Allah said, a soul for another soul. Unless, of course, the one who killed, unless the one, the killer is a Muslim and the one who was killed is a non-Muslim. Then we don't kill the Muslim. We don't kill the, the Muslim. If a Muslim killed a non-Muslim, we don't kill the Muslim. That Muslim can be uh, put in, in jail to number of years as the judge or the qadi uh, sees it uh, proper. But the punishment in Islam, if a Muslim kills a non-Muslim, will never reach the capital punishment. Based on the saying of the Prophet Muslim that a Muslim cannot be killed in exchange of a disbeliever. Okay? <coughs> also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says O oh, you who believe Also here Allah again is addressing the believers by this title O oh, you who believe cannot kill not gain while you are in state of ihram when you are in state of ihram going to hajj or umrah and you saw the deer, or saw the rabbit, or you see birds, you are not allowed to kill anything. You are in peace with everything. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested also the companions through this. But the companions, they passed the test. The deer, they were coming to them. And they were within reach. But the Sahaba, they didn't do anything to the deen. The Jews failed in the test, you know that. The Jews, when Allah tested them, they failed in the test. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested the Jews by bringing the fish to the shore on Saturday. And they are not allowed to catch fish on on Saturday because that is the Sabbath. So they couldn't resist the Temptation. So they thought of make, uh, inventing a trick. So what the Jews did, they dig trenches, canals, and they put gates for the canals. So the fish entered into the canals and then they closed. And they didn't catch the fish on Saturday, they caught it on Sunday. The Jews. 
They did this with Allah. Okay? They failed in the test, but the Sahaba passed successfully when Allah told them, don't touch the game when you are in a state of ihram. So, in every address that was directed, the Imam, the, he mentioned those, the ayat, like uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the, the, the Muslims by the title of the Imam. So he says, in every address that was directed to them after the hijrah containing a command of prohibition, every instruction came, either that contains a command, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, do this or don't do that. Tahreem. Okay? Because you know the five rules. Remember the five rules? We mentioned them yesterday. What are the five rules of Sharia? The five rules of Sharia, all the rules of Sharia are only five. Haram, haram, I want you to group them like this. Haram, makruh. Fard, sunnah, halal. Haram, makruh. Fard, sunnah, halal. Okay. These are the whole rules in the Islam. Sharia. When Allah is telling you to do something, that thing, when He's telling you to do it, it's either fard or sunnah. Are you following? When Allah asks you to do something, that thing, it can be, it's either fard or sunnah. When Allah is telling you not to do that, it's either haram or makruh. So now how many rules? When Allah is telling you do that, it's either fard, obligatory, or recommended. Fard, obligatory. Sunnah, recommended. When Allah tells you not to do it, it's either prohibited or disliked. And the fifth rule, fifth rule, is that the permissible, the halal. When you do it, no, no sin. If you don't do it, also no sin. For instance, having to take your dinner, to take your dinner. If you don't take your dinner, will you be questionable? Will you be accountable? Will Allah ask you why you didn't take dinner? Because it is halal, mubah, permissible. So bear this in mind. So that's what I. So in every address that he, that was direct, directed to them, after the hijrah containing a command of prohibition, he named them with this name, believers. Mu'minun, ya'ayu amanu. Due to their affirming the shahada alone, since at that time nothing else had been made obligatory for them. So what the author is saying, though they deserve the title, Iman, before Allah imposed the, the, uh, uh, the obligations. And still Allah, yet He addressed them with that title, Iman. 
So what the author is trying to say to tell us here? He's saying they deserve the title Iman before Allah asked them to do other things. And then when he imposed these things, still they were holding the title of Iman, but now the obligations of the Iman started to, to increase. He didn't get this point. Allah is addressing them by the title Imam. Ya amanu. And they were only asked to believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like in Makkah. Right? And then this title, they still have it. And then later on in Medina and later stages, Allah is still addressing them whenever He asks them to do something. So what is the difference? That this title Imam, they deserved it from day one. Though there were no other obligations. And then this title starts to accommodate other things. Whenever he reveals something is added to the Imam. And you think revealed added to the Imam. So the Imam started to, to increase. Okay? So we cannot say to the person later on who wants to treat the people after Allah revealed these things like the people before they received that. For instance, he would say, if the people don't, don't pray, don't fast, don't do this, still they are mu'mineen because Allah called those mu'mineen before imposing anything upon them. So without the action, they can still be mu'min. They say, no. That before the imposition of the obligations. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala imposed the other obligations, that became part of the, the iman. And no person is exempted from that. Are you following? Okay? That's what the author here is, is leading you to that point. So he said, he named them with this name, believers. Due to their affirming the Shahada alone. Since at that time, when Allah addressed them by that title, nothing else had been made obligatory for them. So they are believers, no doubt. But afterwards, please concentrate. But afterwards, when the religious laws were revealed, now shara'it, the commandments are coming. Don't do this, don't do that. Do's and don'ts. Okay? Sharia is always do's and don'ts. That's the Sharia. See, the Sharia is don't and do. That's why the speech, this is something of the shelf as they say. Okay? The Sharia, the, the, the speech, it's either do we have what we call Two types. Okay? Insha and khabar in the Arabic language. Speech is divided into two types. Insha and khabar. Insha is the command. Do and don't do. The khabar when Allah tells us about something, that's what the aqeedah. 
the aqidah, the belief falls under the khabar because it is Allah tells you that there is heaven, there is hell, there is angels, there is okay so that falls under the khabar information Allah is informing you whereas the sharia falls under the insha where Allah is asking you to establish something, to do something and the abrogation now I ask you this question the abrogation will it happen to the information to the khabar or to the insha insha always the abrogation is applied to the insha not to the khabar because the insha is do and don't that can be abrogated the khabar Allah is informing us it is impossible that Allah told us something, then He abrogates it. He told us there are angels, then He comes, another prophet says, No, there are no angels. You understand? So, the insha will remain the same. And all the prophets, they convey to us the same belief. The oneness, is the oneness in the in the khabar, in the aqidah, in the belief itself. There they are one. Though every prophet has his own law, his own sharia. So, you have the speech is divided into khabar and insha. Khabar is information, insha is the commandments. Do and don'ts. Is this clear? Bear that in mind. So, that's why the aqidah cannot be abrogated. Cannot be abrogated. Cannot be cancelled. Because it is not, it doesn't fall under the commandments. Or under the command. It falls, or the law. It falls under the khabar. Information. Or the belief itself. But afterwards, when the religious laws were revealed, these were made obligatory upon them in exactly the same way as the first obligation of testifying to the Shahada. Just, it is just like the Shahada. You accepted the Shahada, now you accept the fasting. Now you accept the Salah. It is part of the Iman. It is inseparable. This is because they were all from Allah. Sent by His command and obligation. So you have to accept and it is part of the Iman, it is part from the Iman, and you cannot say, well, this I can accept, this I will not accept. No, you accept it all. So if they had refused to turn to the direction of the Kaaba in their prayer, and stuck to that faith they had in the beginning of Islam, Allah told them now, face Makkah. If they refuse, and they say, no, we will stick to the old Instruction, what you told us to face Jerusalem, whose appellation they were ascribed to, and they had stuck to the Qibla that they used to pay towards, then this would not have helped them at all. This would have rendered them or made them disbelievers. Right? Because now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has the right to cancel that obligation. He has the right to abrogate that 
instruction. Right? Because it falls under what? Isha, Allah is entitled to tell them no. Yes, I am the one who told you face Jerusalem. Now I'm telling you face Mecca. So you have to to follow what I'm saying. If they say no, no, we will follow what you said before and not follow what you are saying now, this will not help them. Because they are servants and slaves of Allah. So whatever Allah says, you have to to say, I hear and obey. That's why he said, then this would not have uh, helped them at all. And they would have violated their affirm- affirmation of the Shahada. If they had they refused, that would have cancelled and negated the Imam. Why? Because they are not now listening to their Lord. Their Lord told them in the beginning, first Jerusalem. The same Lord now, the same Rabb is telling them first, you are a servant, you are a slave. Whatever Allah tells you, you do. You have no choice. Beggars cannot be choosers, right? They have no choice. So we are the servants of Allah. He tells us to do, turn right, turn left, we'll do that. Because we have accepted that He is our Lord. If now He tells us, this, uh, after he told them, this Makkah, they refused, this will cancel the Imam. This will nullify the Imam. Will nullify it. Okay. We will give an example. Iblis, when Allah told him, Iblis was with the angels. He was not an angel. You know, some Muslims, they under the impression that Iblis was uh, the chief of the angels. This is not true. Iblis, different from the angels. But he was with the angels. When Allah commanded the angels to prostrate in front of Adam. And he refused. Right? Iblis refused. And he said, I am better than Adam. So, I will not prostrate for Adam. So, he rejected. And he uh, turned away the commandments of Allah. Allah told him, prostrate, please. He refused. Some might say, but we know the command in the Quran is not addressed to Iblis, it is addressed to the angels. Because Allah said, So we told the angels. So Iblis was, Iblis was not mentioned. He's a poor fellow, you know. Why should he be punished? The people are defending Iblis, you know that. Yes, they are. So they are saying here, they are saying that Iblis, his name, his name mentioned. No. Allah addressing the angels. Subhanallah. Iblis himself, this idea didn't cross his mind. Imagine, it only occurs in the minds of his students, human beings. But Iblis knew that when Allah told the angels, first right, also he's included. 
He didn't object and say, Oh Allah, you didn't command me. He didn't say that. You didn't command me. He knew that the command includes him. He knew that. He only objected that I am better than Adam. And he rejects the commandments of Allah. The command of Allah. And whoever rejects the command of Allah, in the same way Iblis rejected the command of Allah, then he will be with the Iblis. That will make him kafir. Because Iblis disobeyed Allah. And his disobedience is different from the disobedience of Adam. Adam also disobeyed Allah, right? Allah told Adam don't eat from this tree. And he ate from that tree. So he disobeyed Allah. Why Allah forgave Adam and he didn't forgive Iblis? The answer is simple. The disobedience of Adam happened due to what? Forgetfulness. Adam forgot. He forgot. He forgot that Allah warned him and told him not to touch the tree or eat from the tree. Number one. Number two, anyone had been in the position of Adam would have done would have done the same thing as Adam did. Had you been any one of us in the position of Adam he would have done the same thing. What do you mean? Iblis came to Adam and told him, Ala adulluk ala shayyaratul khuldi wa mulkul la yabla. Do you want me to tell you a tree? When you eat from it, you'll have eternal life and eternal kingdom. A kingdom that will never last, will never perish, will never end. Adam was created and found himself in the Jannah. And no one around him. He doesn't know anything called a lie. He doesn't know lying. And if someone comes to you and you don't know anything that's called lie. And says you do this. It's nice. You'll do it or not. You'll do it because you believe. You don't know anything. This concept of lying is not known to you. A child who's born. A toddler who doesn't know anything. If you give him something that looks like the, ca- the candy, even that thing is going to, to burn him, he will touch it. Right? He doesn't know. He's so pure. The same thing Adam, he doesn't know anything. And he forgot and Iblis told him, if you eat from this tree, you will have eternal life. So he asked from it. And when he saw his nakedness, all these things, and Allah brought them down to earth, they turned to Allah, Adam and Eve, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted their tawbah, their repentance. Whereas, and they confessed, whereas Iblis, from day one, from the beginning, he said, how do you tell me to prostrate for Adam? Don't you know that I'm better than Adam? So Allah cursed him, and said, go. My curse upon you till the last day. And the scholars, they said, if a person commits a sin out of ignorance or forgetfulness, 
for human weakness, then his sin is like Adam. His sin is like the sin of his father. And it can be forgiven. If someone commits a sin out of arrogance, okay, and haughtiness, then his sin is like Iblis. For instance, this is water. We have two persons or two people drinking, al one, drinking alcohol, both of them. We came to the first one and say, alcohol is haram, please leave it. Say, yes, I know it's haram. And I'm trying really, I'm struggling to leave it. So please, pray for me. Pray for me that I will leave this alcohol. I know it's haram, I know I am sinning, I know I'm doing haram, I know if Allah doesn't forgive me, He will put me in hell. Just pray for me, what to do? I am weak, I am addict. I need your prayers. We came to the second one and he said, Come on man, you know this alcohol is just like water. There is no difference. Have a sip man. <laughs> Are they the same? Should they be treated on the day of judgment the same? Or differently? Differently. The first one he admitted and he confessed that he is a sinner. And he is committing this sin out of weakness. As his father Adam alayhi salam. Whereas the other one he is rejecting. And he is denying that it is haram. So his sin is like Iblis. So the first one is a sinner. Listen. The first one is a sinner. And the second one is what? Kafir. Second one who says. This is like. Al alcohol is like water. He's what? He's Kafir. He's not a Muslim. That one is a Muslim who's committing sin. The other one is a disbeliever. Kafir. Because he's saying alcohol is not haram. If someone says alcohol is not haram, is he Muslim? He's saying the opposite. If he says I know it is haram while I'm, I drink it, and I want to leave it, he's not Catholic, he's a Muslim. The same thing, if one comes and the things that Allah made, the things that Allah made haram, He made them halal. Things, for instance, alcohol is halal. Fornication is halal. Riba is halal. And He made laws. Okay? Laws that state, these laws saying that this is halal, 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 halal. Is he a Muslim? Of course not. He should not be reluctant. He should not be reluctant. He is not a Muslim. Whoever turns the halal, haram, and the haram, halal, he is not a Muslim. At all. Because that is not the right of human beings. That's not the right of human beings. So, had they refused, had they refused 
turning to the Qibla after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to them, then that would have nullified their faith and their iman. Why? He said, this is because the first obedience was not more deserving of the appellation of faith than the second. Than the second. There is no difference. There, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you to face Jerusalem and here he is the one who is telling you to face Jerusalem. So therefore, when they responded to Allah and his messenger and accepted the obligation of the salah, just as they had responded by affirming the shahada, then all of this would now be included in the appellation of faith. Now, this can be included in the definition of Iman. The Salah now is part of the Iman. It is part of the Iman. So, you can see now, Iman started to what? To increase. In the beginning, it was only what? Conviction. There. In the early days of Makkah, it was only the conviction in the heart. And then, now started Acts, Salah. Okay? So now the Iman started to, to increase. And the proof, what's the evidence? That now the Salah is part of the, of the Iman. Is what Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ And Allah would never make your faith to be lost. So Allah here in this ayah, truly Allah is full of kindness, the most merciful towards mankind. Allah in this ayah called Iman, the Salah, Iman. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ Though here in this ayah, this was an answer to the question of the Sahaba. What will happen to the Salah of our brothers who died while praying to Jerusalem? So Allah gave the Sahaba the surety that don't worry, their Salah will not be lost. And he called the Salah what in this ayah? Iman. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ Imanakum. Allah called it Iman. Because now it is part of the Iman. So Allah called it Iman. And Allah would never make your faith to be lost. Call it faith. Call it Iman. Truly Allah is full of kindness and most merciful towards mankind. So this ayah was revealed concerning some of the companions of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, who turned towards the Qibla while they were praying in the direction of Bayt al-Maqdis. So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was asked about this, and then this ayah was revealed. So what proof is needed after this to show that the prayer is part of faith? So the Salah now is part of the of faith. And Salah is what? Action of limbs. So it's now, and Allah called it Iman. So it is part of the Iman. If it is part of the Iman, how then you try to detach it and remove it? And you say, the Amal is not part of the Iman. The deviant sect, known in the history of Islam, we call them the Murjah, they say, the Amal is not part of the Iman. And the Amal is part of the 
Iman. Amal is the action. It's part of the Iman. You will not have Iman if you don't have Amal. If you don't pray, if you don't fast, if you don't, you, you, don't, you don't do anything. Then that will nullify the Iman. Because these things became part of the Iman. And they are becoming inseparable. Brothers, are you following? Or you are lost. Are you lost? Are you following? Okay. Alright. So they remained like this for a period of time. So the author is saying the people remained like this for a period of time. When they started going to prayer eagerly and their hearts found it easy, Allah revealed to them the obligation of zakah and their faith. So these, the obligations were revealed gradually. The Salah, and now the Salah, they got used to the Salah, and you know the Salah was only two rak'ahs. You know that? Isha was two rak'ahs, Zuhr two rak'ahs, Asr two rak'ahs. See the kindness of Allah. And you know that Allah imposed 50 prayers and then reduced them to five prayers. So when they get used to the Salah, and they started to like the Salah, then the two rak'ahs were made for, for Dhuhr and Asr and Isha. If you want the evidence, he's telling you. If you want the evidence that if one rejects the Zakah and doesn't accept the Zakah, this will violate his Iman, is the, the stance of Abu Bakr, <coughs> that he fought those who refused to give the, the zakah. Yes, as the messenger of Allah sallam, made jihad against the people of the ship. In the same way, Abu Bakr waged the jihad against those who do not give the, the zakah. There is no difference between these two jihads. The jihad against the mushriks and the jihad against those who do not give the, the zakah. With regards to shedding blood, to, taking children as captives. Captives. We take the children as captives. They are praying and they are fasting. But we take the children as, as captives. And the women as captives. Mulk Yameen. Imagine. This clear. Why? Because they don't accept the the zakah. <coughs> taking children as captives and taking the spoils of war and taking the spoils of war and all the Arabs did was to refuse to give the zakah, not reject its institution. Yes, because they re reject. They didn't say. We don't, uh, we, uh, we don't accept the zakah or reject the zakah as the concept of zakah. No. We know zakah is there. But we will not give it to you. We used to give it to the Prophet ﷺ and that's it. So they know it is a must. But they say we will not give it to you. We used to give it to the Prophet. That's it. So Abu Bakr said no way. By Allah. If, if it was just aqala ba'ir. If it was just a small string to tie the camel with, 
they used to give it to the Prophet ﷺ, I will fight them for that. Whatever they used to give to the Prophet ﷺ, they should give to, to me. Then all the laws of Islam became like this. Each time the law was revealed, it became joined to the laws that had preceded. So, any new law added to the, to the previous and become part of the Iman. Anything new added, anything new added. And all of them were included under the name of Iman. Faith. And those who followed them were named Mu'mineen, believers. This is, the, this is the place in which those who had held that Iman was merely saying, those who are, he's saying here, those who are saying that Iman is only the saying, they are erroneous, they are mistaken. Indeed they have earned and committed a mistake. That when they heard Allah calling them believers, he's saying, why they made that mistake? The Shaykh here is explaining why they made that mistake. What made them uh, think that Iman is only the same? Because when they look to the previous ayat we mentioned that Allah described the believers as mu'mins though there were no obligations. You understand? He said Allah calls the mu'min without obligations. So the same thing if someone is only having the conviction in his heart and not have obligations he is like them. And they forgot that Allah called them obligations prior to the imposition and the prescription of the obligation. Are you following? Allah called them because there were no obligations yet revealed. So, the only thing was required from them is the conviction. So that's why He called them mu'mineen. But later on, they are obligated and obliged to do the whole thing in order to get that title, the Imam. So I cannot apply the case, that particular or peculiar or special case to a person later on, after Allah reveals the obligations. Are you following? So that is the error and that's the mistake they made. So he said, they attributed complete faith to them. To those who do not do, do anything. They say their Iman is perfect. Without Salah, without Siyam, without anything. Even after Allah prescribed Salah and Siyam. And that's wrong of course. Because you saw Abu Bakr Siddiq fought them. If the Zakah is not part of Iman, why should he fight them? If the Salah was only something, you know, accessory. If the Zakah was accessory thing, it will not affect the Iman. Why did Abu Bakr fight them? Why did he kill them? Why did he take the children as captives? Because that's part of the Iman. And likewise, they made a mistake in their explanation of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he was asked as to what faith was to which he replied that you believe in Allah. They said, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked about the Iman, he said, they believe in Allah. So that's it. <coughs> How about the rest of the hadith? You ignore them? There are many hadith that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the Iman also in these hadith. 
And also their explanation of the hadith in which he, وسلم, was asked by the one who had a believing slave girl about feeling, freeing her. So she, he ordered that she, she should be freed and be called a believer. You know, this is a hadith in Sahih Muslim that Muawiyah ibn al-Hakam al-Sulami he had a slave girl and, uh, and she was a shepherd. And the wolf took one sheep. So he came and she told him, you know, I, I, I slept or something happened and the wolf took one sheep. So he slapped her on her face. So he slapped her on her face and then he came to the Prophet and told him what he did. The Prophet rebuked him, blamed him. So he wanted to expiate his sin. Said, what should I do? Should I set her free? Said, no, bring her. So they brought the slave girl to the Prophet and the Prophet asked her two questions. The first question he asked her, where is Allah? So asked the question, the Prophet This is in Sahih Muslim. He said, where is Allah? He said, Allah is in heaven. He said, who am I? She said, you are the Prophet of Allah. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, set her free, she is a Muslimah, she is a Mu'minah. So also they are misunderstanding this hadith. They say, you see, the Prophet ﷺ here testified, gave her the, the certificate of Iman by just saying these two things. And this is not true. Because the other hadith, you cannot, brothers and sisters, you cannot take the Islam from one hadith. Or take the belief from one hadith. You have to bring all the hadith together in, other, in order to, to take the overall picture and the global view. And the correct belief. From the summary of all the texts together. Not from one text. The author here is saying, these, all these uh, evidences they, they quoted, these are to be taken to mean... As I have explained to you, the Shaykh, he's saying, as I have explained to you previously, their entering faith and their acceptance and belief in what had been revealed from it at that time. So at that time, when there were no other obligations, yes, that is Imam. In the beginning. That is Imam, because there were no other obligations. But later on, when the rest of the obligations were revealed, then that these things were added to the Iman. So you should not try to misunderstand or to try to apply a situation prior to the prescription of the obligation to a situation where the obligations were imposed. It's different, two different cases. You should not make the, uh, you should not confuse things. That is different situation and this is a different situation. As we explained yesterday, a person, a revert, he came here and he said, I want to become a Muslim. <coughs> and he says the Shahada, and he died. Is he mu'min or not? He's a mu'min. Mu'min only by what? He didn't do anything except the conviction in his heart. That's it. He didn't do anything, he didn't say anything. But that's it. So this revert, imagine this revert, 
He came to the Prophet in Makkah. Okay? And there were no other obligations and he accepted the, the Islam. Will he be mu'min or not? Okay. The same revert, we told him after he became a shahada, he's a Muslim. Then we told him, but there is salah, there is siyam, there is this, there is that. Say, no, no, I will not accept that. I will not accept all these things. I accept only the shahada. Will that make him mu'min? This will take him out of Islam again. You understand now? This will take him out of Islam. If he says, treat me as those who were in Makkah, you tell him, no, we cannot treat you like that. Because those that Allah gave them the title Iman when they were in Makkah, there were no obligations. But now obligations are imposed and prescribed. So you have to take them. Is this point clear? Okay? So don't try, take a text, Quran or Hadith, apply it for a certain period when there were no obligations and then try to apply it now. Then you will make the mistake. Is this clear? So when he becomes a Muslim, he say, that is, by the Shahada you just entered into the house of Islam. You entered the door. Then there are other things he has to do. If you say, no, 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 I will not do the other things, they say, sorry. Okay? This will take you out of Islam again. And your head will be chopped off. Because we didn't force you to enter Islam. Did we? No. That's why we tell everyone, take your time, man. It's not a joke. It's not like Hinduism, Buddhism, ism, ism. No. This is different. This is Islam. Once you enter Islam, you can't leave it. No way. It's like the Roman Catholic marriage, you know. No way. No way to leave Islam. If you want to leave Islam, your head will be removed. Because that, we consider then, you are apostate. We don't force you to become a Muslim. We don't force you. But once you accept Islam, you cannot leave Islam. And this is not only in Islam, it is also there in the Old Testament. This is there in the Bible. The Bible says, if a person, the person who profane or the person who commits such a thing, apostasy, spare him not. Don't spare him. Kill him. That's what the Bible says. Okay, so the same ruling is there in the Bible, it's the same ruling in Islam. Okay? So the Shaykh is saying here, these are to be taken, the texts that are giving the title Iman to the people, though without obligation, these should be taken as I explained to you that this was in the early stage of Islam. As I have explained to you, they are entering faith, that is, when they were entering Iman, when they were entering Islam, that is, that was the situation. And their acceptance and belief in what had been revealed from it at that time. And indeed it was revealed in stages. The deen was revealed in what? In stages. Just as the Quran was revealed in stages. And the witness and evidence 
for what we say is the book of Allah. The author is saying, if you want the Daleel, I'll give you the Daleel. And the Sunnah of the Messenger So from the book of Allah is his saying, what Allah says, وَإِذَا مَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ أَيُّكُمْ زَادَتْهُ هَذِهِ إِيمَانًا فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَزَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَهُمْ يَسْتَبْشِرُونَ And whenever there comes down a chapter of the Quran, whenever a surah comes, some of them, the munafiqun, say, which of you has had, has had his faith increased? By this ayah or this surah. As for those that believe, it has increased their faith. And they rejoice. So the iman keeps what? Increasing. The evidence is the ayah. That when the ayah comes, the iman increases. That means if the iman increased, was it complete? Before? So, the iman was increasing because it was not completed yet. So, what type of iman that Allah described the early ones with? The basic of the, of the iman. The iman of just entering it, Islam. But then this iman started to what? To grow. Started to what? To grow. And it says, are you following? So, this is the ayah, is an evidence. That now, when the, the, this is ayah, is in Medina. Why? Because there is a mention of the munafiqun. And the munafiqun hypocrites were only in where? In Medina. Not in Mecca. In Mecca, the caverns only and Muslims. In Medina, because Islam now is spreading, the hypocrites huh, started to appear. Hypocrisy took place. In Medina, not in Mecca. That's why Surah Al-Baqarah is Madaniyah. The beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah is dealing with what? Munafiqeen. So this ayah is an evidence that the Iman was not completed and perfected still. There is a room and it is growing and increasing. And whenever there comes down a chapter some of them, the hypocrites say, which of you has had his faith increased by it? As for those that believe, it has increased their faith and they rejoice. And time is not permitting us to complete. But inshallah, I want you to promise that to attend in the coming visit, inshallah, to remain alive, to complete the book. Are you ready? Inshallah. So maybe in two months' time, inshallah, we'll announce again and keep your hand out with you. Put a mark where we stop and the date. Okay? And inshallah, we resume and try to finish this book, inshallah, the book of Iman. And before we uh, stop the session, I'll just try to summarize. Iman. There are three, the correct, the summary. The correct belief that Iman consists of three components. There on the blackboard. Utterance of the tongue. Conviction of the heart. Action by the limbs. Three 
components together constitute Iman. Right? And the Iman increases and decreases. The Iman increases by doing good deeds. Iman Iman increases by doing good by doing good deeds. And you see here the hadith of the Prophet when he said Al-Iman bib'un wa sab'una shu'ba Iman comprises or consists of more than 70 branches. The highest is la ilaha illallah, the lowest is to remove any harm from the road or the way of the people. These branches, they rest and they are based upon the foundation. There is the foundation of the Iman that every Muslim should have. And the increment only will happen above and on top of the basic. So this is the basic every Muslim should have. And those whom Allah brings from the hellfire because they have the, the basic. Because if you lose this, the foundation, then you are not a Muslim. Then you are not a Muslim. That's why that once you lose this portion, then you are a kafir. And you remain in the hellfire. As long as you maintain the minimum level of Iman. You maintain this. But here you lost all these branches, you lost them. But you have the minimum. That will keep you within the fold of Islam. That will keep you within the... With Islam. For instance, someone who is alcoholic, someone who is uh, roaming around with women, womanizing, all these things. He is having this. So when he dies, we don't consider him disbeliever. We wash him, we bury him, etc. Because he maintains the minimum. His problem only here in the branches of the Imam. Keep this in mind. So, Iman, three components together. <coughs> if you say Amal is not part the, the, from the Iman, then you are not upon the right belief. Because that is not the belief of the Sahaba, Tabi'een, Ahl Sunnah. It's not the belief of them. It's the belief of a deviant sect. Okay? Here in this hadith of Jibreel, hadith of Jibreel, where the Prophet ﷺ said, Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. Three circles interconnected. The most inner one is the Ihsan, then the Iman, then the Islam. If you are here, then you are Muhsin. You have reached the peak. And if you are Muhsin, then you are Mu'min and you are Muslim at the same time. Right? If you are here, then you are Mu'min and you are Muslim. If you are in the second circle, you are Mu'min but you are not Muhsin. If you are in the second circle, you are mu'min, but you are not muhsin, you are mu'min and muslim. If you are in the outer one, you are only muslim. You are only muslim. Ihsan. Muhsin, muhsin, the muhsin, and then mu'min, then Muslim. Mu'min, Muslim. So it depends where you are. Okay? This, there are three, 
uh, terminologies or uh, names mentioned in the hadith of Jibreel. Okay. Bear in mind, if we differentiate if they are mentioned in the same context. Bear in mind, we differentiate and apply this Venn diagram if the, these names are mentioned together. Then Islam is the external deeds, Iman the internal deeds, if they are together. But if one of them is mentioned, then it covers the other. For instance, Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ فَسَعُوا إِلَى ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Oh, you who believe. When the call for the Friday prayer is, is chanted, rush to the masjid. There Allah mentioned, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Some might say, Allah is only calling the mu'mineen, not the muslimin. They say, no, don't misunderstand. If one, one of them is mentioned, it, covers, it means the other. We only differentiate if both of them put together. Like what? Like Allah says, قَالَتِ الْأَعْرَابُ آمَنَّا The Bedouins, those who, who uh, just uh, accepted Islam apparently and externally, but not the Iman started in their heart. قَالَتِ الْأَعْرَابُ آمَنَّا The Arab, the Bedouins, nomadic tribes said, آمَنَّا We believe. Quran said, no. Don't say you are Muslim, you are Muslim. Because you surrendered apparently, but the Iman hasn't settled in your heart. So you see, Allah differentiates. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said regarding the people of Lut. He said, فَأَخْرَجْنَا مَنْ كَانَ فِيهَا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَمَا وَجَدْنَ بِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ So here Allah differentiated. He said, فَأَخْرَجْنَا From the village of Lut السلام, He said, we delivered and rescued only the mu'mins. And what we found in that village? Only one house of Muslims. So Allah are you following brothers? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah He described the house hold the members as Muslims. And when He saved He saved only the Mu'mins. Why? Because the wife of Luke was not Mu'mina. She was Muslima. That means she was only showing the faith and hiding the the disbelief. And Nuh didn't know this. Yeah, pretending. She was pretending. And Nuh didn't know. So when it was at the zero hour, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved only the Mu'mins. And He didn't save the wife of Lut. You understand? So when you are reading in the Quran and you see, Inna al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat wal-Mu'minina wal-Mu'minat. Ah, now you apply what? This. But if it is only one is mentioned, Muslim, then you apply Islam, Iman to that person. You understand? This is the rule. 
When one is mentioned, it means the other by default. But if they are together in the same text, then you have to differentiate. Islam is applied to external deeds and iman to the internal deeds. Is this clear to you?